Hello, you're listening to Pan Am, a podcast that takes out its magnifying glass to get a better look at Paris's past. Last time we heard about the bodies on display at the Paris morgue, drowned muses, missing children, dismembered women, and the crowds who came to see them. Yet amongst the most intriguing affairs which the Paris morgue played a part was that which became known as the Affair Gouffet, where it was not a body that brought the people pouring into the morgue, but a simple wooden trunk, the recognition of which would bring two murderers to justice in one of the most mediatised affairs of the 19th century. Today, I've come to the Rue Montmartre in the 9th arrondissement. It was here that Toussaint-Augustin Gouffet, the victim, worked and was last reported to have been seen alive. So let's follow in his footsteps and walk from here to the scene of the crime at Rue Transcend du Coudray in the 8th arrondissement. On the 26th of July, 1889, Gouffet, a bailiff in his 40s and a respectable man and father of two, but with a weakness for the ladies, met the alluring Gabrielle Bompard. Maybe in an attempt to impress this young woman, he'd boasted of keeping large sums of money in his office, information that interested Gabrielle and her no-good lover, Michel Hérault. The pair were already small-time thieves and swindlers. They had a hustle. Gabrielle would bring back a client, and as things hotted up, Michel would burst in, playing the enraged husband and insist on being paid off, or I suppose threaten to beat up the poor man. So on the night of the 26th, Gabrielle seduced Monsieur Gouffet. Maybe, like us, they walked the 20 or so minutes it would have taken them to get there. It was, after all, summer. Were they seen? Did anyone suspect anything unusual? Sadly for Gouffet, he did not. Little did he know that Gabrielle had already planned his murder, that in the very flat she was leading him to, her lover lay in wait to strangle him, and that she herself had sewn the bag into which they would hide and later dispose of his body. Inside the flat, she seduced him. She confessed later to police that she playfully tied a cord around his neck. Then her lover emerged from his hiding place and strangled the unsuspecting victim. He then took his keys and hastened back to Gouffet's office. But despite his best efforts, maybe because of the adrenaline from what he'd just done causing him to panic, he found nothing, no money. Had Gouffet lied? Had this been for nothing? Later, the police searched, and they did find 14,000 francs, just as a bailiff had said, in his office. The couple decide to make their escape. They force the body into a large trunk that they had acquired for that very purpose, and leave by train, dumping the body in the woods near Lyon, and smashing up the trunk before fleeing to America. And they very nearly got away with it. But they didn't reckon on the incredible detective skills in the new field of forensic science of one Dr. Alexander Lacassange and the dogged police inspector, Gouron. When Gouffet's body first turned up, the autopsy was carried out on the 14th of August by Dr. Paul Bernard, who concluded that it was not the body of the missing bailiff. He found the hair to be of a different colour. The height was wrong, the age different. For Dr. Bernard, the body was between 35 and 40 years, whereas Gouffet was 49. Case closed. Inspector Goron had his doubts, so he sent Gouffet's brother-in-law to check. He confirmed that the body was not that of his brother-in-law's, as the hair was black and not brown. However, further evidence emerged linking the couple to the murder, and all seemed to fit 
accept the autopsy. So Inspector Gorham called upon the skills of the renowned Dr. Lacassange, who'd been carrying out incredible work in the field of ballistics and forensics, and has in fact become known as the father of forensic science. On the 13th of November, 1889, Dr. Lacassange carried out his own autopsy. By now, however, the body was nearly four months old, and one can only imagine the revolting job it must have been, especially without modern equipment, refrigeration or latex gloves. The body has, as we've already mentioned, been autopsied by the coroner, Dr. Bernard. But it seems he'd done a rather botched job, and although Lacassange was famous for being prudent and always advising his students, of which Dr. Bernard had been one, that a bungled autopsy cannot be redone, he nonetheless set to work, undeterred by the previous doctor's mishandling. The intricate and careful work carried out by Dr. Lacassange is truly remarkable. I won't go into all the details here, but I'll just give you an overview. Lacassange was able to establish the victim's age, not by looking at the skull, as this had been damaged in the previous autopsy, but rather by looking at the pelvis and the teeth. Dental forensics was a new, practically unheard of discipline at the time, so he was a real pioneer. He concluded that the body was indeed closer to 45 to 50 and not 35 to 45. He was also able to accurately work out his height, a perfect match to that of the missing bailiff, and after collecting a hair sample from the victim's house, he confirmed that Gouffet had indeed had chestnut hair, and although the hair from the body seemed black, when carefully washed, its true chestnut colour was revealed. Surely this would have been enough, but Dr. Lacassange was single-minded. He noted an old injury in the ankle, which would have caused the victim to limp, and confirmed this with the victim's father, who said he had fallen as a child, fracturing his ankle, and it never healed properly. He spoke with his cobbler about a suspected gouty toe, which was confirmed, and his dentist. There could no longer be any mistake, this was definitely the body of Monsieur Gouffet. Inspector Goran was himself a thorough and innovative investigator. In his quest to solve the case, he decided to make a replica of the trunk into which the body had been stuffed and put it on display in the Paris morgue. 35,000 people came to see it in the first few days. Photos were taken and printed in the newspapers and it was quickly identified by an Englishman who said a Frenchman and his daughter had bought one just like it from him and he was able to identify them as Gabrielle and Michel. Although they had fled, they turned on each other, and the two were caught and brought back to France. The trial started on December the 16th, 1890, and was a media sensation. Getting tickets to watch this courtroom drama was near impossible, and the chief judge himself personally oversaw the handing out of tickets to friends and important people. The concierge of Gabrielle's apartment, where the drama had taken place, charged people to visit and see where it had all happened. Gabrielle's defence team further heightened the drama, coming up with a thrilling argument about her being under a hypnotic-like trance when with Michelle, and thus not responsible for her actions. Both defendants bitterly blamed each other. The papers reported all the details, and the illustrated Petit Journal recreated the scene in all its gory details. They were finally brought to justice on the 3rd of February, 1891. Michel Hérault went to the guillotine, protesting all the way. Thousands of people came to watch, keen to catch a glimpse of the notorious killer, including a young Russian soldier who travelled more than 1,000 miles on foot from the Russian-German border to Paris in just 39 days. He was given a coveted prime spot as a reward for his effort. 
street vendors circulated amongst the crowd who'd gathered at the Roquette prison, selling miniature replicas of the infamous trunk inscribed with La Faire Oufé, and inside each was a little metal corpse. Gabrielle, for her part, received 20 years hard labour, but was released after 13 and was able to find her way more or less back into society. She'd become somewhat of a criminal celebrity with all the media hype surrounding the case, and despite its horror, people were curious about her. She died, however, in the early 1920s, completely forgotten. Dr Lacassange, for his part, was a true pioneer at a time when detective fiction and fact was becoming increasingly popular. He went on to have a long career and did much for forensics. Thank you so much for listening today. If you want to find out more, check out my website, panampodcast.com, or you can follow me on social media. And if you're interested in finding out more about this case, you can always head to the Musée de la Préfecture de Police to see photos of Michel, Gabrielle and Gouffet. That's all for now. Bye-bye.